Good morning, everybody, and thanks for joining us today. I'm actually very, very excited for today's conversation on the current state of Beer Fest. It's been such a weird year, you know, in April 2020, if you had asked me if in September of that year we'd be hanging out, drinking beers in person, handshakes and high fives, of course we would have. You know, we would have been ready for it. We wouldn't have thought we'd still be, you know, in 2021, not sure of where we are with regard to in-person events. But here we are in May of 2021, looking ahead to the future and you know, I'm looking forward to events in the fall. I'm looking forward to the Craft Brewers Conference in September. But I have to be a little honest, looking ahead just four months from now, I'm a little nervous about in-person events again. So I'm very, very curious to hear about the five of yours past years, but more importantly, you know, how you're planning for the future. And, and I think we are at the point people are definitely starting to look towards in-person events. I know my Facebook feed is slowly being filled with concert announcements and other in-person gatherings. So that gives me a little bit of excitement for some normalcy. But let's dive into today's conversation. Now, Brian, you are to the right of me. So if you could just tell everybody a little bit about yourself and why you're here today. So my name is Brian Boak. I used to have Boak's beer for nine years. I actually contract brewed my recipes and distributed my beer throughout New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Currently run a uh, peer learning forum for brewery owners called the Brewers Roundtable. Uh, that we actually switched from in-person to virtual when COVID hit. So, and we're actually going to have our first in-person meeting again on July 12th. Nice, it's Brian. Thanks for being here today. And Britt, nice to see you again. Great to see you too. Yeah, my name is Britt. I'm the uh, the manager of event operations for what I call the Next Class family of awesome beer brands. So we have Untapped, Beer Advocate, and Hop Culture. So we've, um, yeah, we've done, I think, seven uh, self-produced virtual festivals and events uh, so far since COVID hit. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to getting back to drinking beers face to face with folks. I'm excited to hear about those virtual experiences as well and how they went. Absolutely. Day, I saw you about a week and a half ago. It's always a pleasure to see you, but for everyone who hasn't met you before, tell them a little about what you do in the world. Uh, I'm a comedian, um, co-host of the Drinking Partners podcast. Um, a craft beer comedy podcast uh, and co-founder of Freshfest um, and founder of Flowfest, uh, Barrel and Flow, um, slated to uh, make its debut in September, uh, same weekend as CBC. So, <laughs> no, I'm excited for your event. It's going to be great. And Kevin, welcome. I mean, you're with BeerFest.com, so obviously you operate in this space, but tell everybody a little bit more about what you do. Yeah, I'm the founder at BeerFest.com, and for the last nine years, we've been working with BeerFest to bring people together to uh, enjoy craft beer and meet the folks who brew it. Um, you know, we help with marketing, ticketing, staffing, and generally running events, and uh, it's been pretty quiet since March of last year and uh, in BeerFest land, and we've, we've done a, quite a few uh, virtual BeerFests, but you know what? I'm with you. I'm looking to get back to the real thing and clicking those little beer flask, uh, beer glasses, beer fest glasses together with uh, real people at, at real beer fest. So uh, looking get looking forward to get back to it. Definitely. And Matt, welcome. Last but not least. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for having me on, being part of this great panel. Uh, I uh, founded and run Rhizome Productions, based in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we produce about two dozen festivals a year um, in the southeast and across the country. Uh, obviously, last year we didn't do any, but we did virtual events as well. Uh, I'm happy to see those hopefully go away. But 
uh, we'll do them as long as they're appropriate. Uh, but definitely looking forward to getting back at it and uh, supporting the industry on different levels. And I hope to make it to one of your events in the not too distant future. All the pictures I've seen pre-pandemic, they look like such a good time. That's the hope. <laughs> and, and I promise we're not going to talk too much about the pandemic, but I want to do, I do want to hear about how your past year has been. Cause obviously when COVID-19 struck us all, you, you all were operating primarily in the in-person space. So you had to make drastic changes to your business models. Tell me a little bit about, you know, anyone can jump in at any point, what you did across the past year to, you know, remain relevant. So and the Kevin, brewers call in. because, you know, you've got beerfest.com in your name. So you're already someone asserting yourself in the virtual beer space world. So tell us a little bit about your past year. We, we just jumped headfirst in the, the virtual events. You know, we have, we had a few virtual beer fests under our belt. And it kind of felt like a wild west, you know, because like, how do we take this in-person experience online? And, you know, we're still trying to figure it out, to be honest with you. You know, for us, the core was get folks beer, they can join their home and connect them for an opportunity to talk to brewers online. And if there's anything to come out of this, it really gave people the opportunity to talk to the guys who brew the beer and you know, next a great beer at Beer Fest. That's what we hear all the time. It's like we want to talk to the brewer, the team, and get their story. You know, so that that was really one great thing about Zoom and all this other stuff is the interaction. You know, the intimacy of it. Um, but you know what I mean. I'm really looking getting back to the in-person events. You know, and I think uh, coming up. You know, I can tell you this. Like we are nationwide. There's going to be a lot of beer fest not coming back. So, you know, to, to come back to that in person, I mean, I think these days it'll be all about stepping up the experience, you know, at these events. And there's a lot of room for creativity and doing some things out the box and experiment. And I'm sure everyone else will have some great thoughts on, on how they're doing their events out there. And for everyone yeah, else, I'll, I'll say one of the things. I was going to say one of the things that I'm, I'm hoping for, um, you know, I, I feel like and I can't speak for everybody here. We all live in different parts of the country and do different types of events. Uh, but one of the things that we kind of saw in the southeast over the past five, six years is that there were tons of events, tons of beer festivals, uh, but not many of them really had a reason for existing. I'm not trying to be mean, but it was just like, hey, we're going to buy a bunch of kegs from a distributor and throw a party. Um, I, I think of beer events specifically without a specific cause and intent, uh, a mutual benefit. I hope kind of that stuff doesn't come back because I don't know that they were there for the right reason. Um, you know, and, and whatever that reason is that you find that makes it mutually beneficial. I mean, for us, uh, all of our events give back to local nonprofits. Uh, we focus a lot on the educational components similar to what Kevin mentioned. Um, or we just want to deliver a really unique and different experience that you may not find at your everyday, every weekend beer festival that we know they're out there. Um, but I, I think events without intent, maybe we'll see some less of that come back. And I, I mean, that's something that I'm sort of excited for. I'm not, I, you know, I don't want anybody to suffer in, in, in their businesses, but uh, we saw that at least in the Nashville and sort of the Southeast. It was just every weekend there was another festival and whether they had the right intention or not was to be seen. So I think that may be one of those significant things that come of it. And, uh, makes it maybe a little bit easier for events that do have that right intent and uh, connection to the community, be it a nonprofit, 
you know, building the brewing community, whatever it is, um, you know, there's got to be intent. And Matt, looking to the past year, what types of virtual experiences have you? So we focused our virtual expe uh, experiences on on small engagements. So the majority of our events were targeted to 24 to 48 people, uh, focused pretty much on our local market. We did some outside of our local market, but we kept them small. We kept them engaged. We kind of did it for our core audience. Uh, it was a little bit less about the bigger picture and more about home, I guess you could say. Now, you know, obviously as a business owner, part of the goal, you know, you have to make money to survive. Were you able to make ends meet doing these virtual events or was it more so to just keep the relationships and let people know that you're still around? Uh, it was more about, yeah, keeping up appearances. It wasn't really about the money. Um, I just figured out side hustles to pay the bills, but that's not what that was for. Um, that was more engagement for the breweries. Uh, you know, uh, it, we bought beer, we bought things. It, it supported businesses in a small way. And that's better than doing nothing. So, but it wasn't about the money for sure. Absolutely. It's important to stay top of mind. So the, the Brewers Roundtable actually went from being a every other month in-person meeting at rotating breweries uh, when COVID hit to a weekly virtual event because everything was brand new. Nobody knew what was going on. So we, for probably four months, we about 10 breweries met every week to talk to, so everybody could understand what everybody else is doing. So nobody had to figure out the wheel each time for every different event in reference to what cleansers you use, how do you get people in, how, how do you separate people, uh, where do you buy your your bubbles from? Uh, what are you doing for picnic tables? What are you doing when it rains? All those million questions that people have. Um, we're actually, as we've gone through, we've settled down and we've gone to monthly and I've set up a national program to invite breweries from across the United States to join onto a spe special program. And, um, and now we're looking to go back to in-person for at least for the New Jersey group. So that's, that's a good sign. And Brittany and Day, I, I would love to hear about, because both of you have been busy in the virtual world. Tell me a little bit about your past years. Yeah, um, so we, I was actually really fortunate. I joined the the next class uh, family in January, uh, right before the the pandemic hit. So we um, we did our our last in person event was uh, Beer Advocates Extreme Beer Fest 2020 in Boston, and then that was in February. And then in March, uh, obviously things shut down, and so we. Um, pretty quickly looked at what we could do in the virtual event space um, for both Beer Advocate and Untapped, and then a little bit further in for Hop Culture. And we um, found an amazing retail partner uh, because we, as a company, can't ship direct to consumer because of the three-tier system. So we uh, partnered with a retail company called Halftime Beverage up in New York um, and looked at some of our existing fest concepts. Um, the first one we did was an Untapped Fest. So looked at the data, saw what people were really liking for the beers, saw what people were, um, you know, some of the breweries that we really love to work with. And we did a curated box of beers um, that halftime shipped out to, um, you know, I think it was 28 or 29 states uh, across the US. 
Um, and then we created a, a virtual festival component where, you know, folks could, for Untapped, we had a live chat for Beer Advocate. Um, it was all forum based and then for Hop Culture, it was all done uh, via YouTube. So a little bit different for each brand, but had all the brewers come on, do guided tastings, do some Q and A, um, and tried to put some some fun supplemental content in there. So it, um, you know, sort of wasn't the year I think any of us were expecting to have, but we were able to, you know, sort of stay relevant in the event space, um, keep things going, keep some momentum going, and you know, continue to build relationships um, even when we're not able to, you know, go to the bar, drink in person, you know, hang out with folks. Uh, so it was a, you know. Very similar in some ways to putting on a, a live event, just in terms of the logistics and the planning and all of that. But also, you know, I've done seven beer festivals without ever having to put on a pair of shoes, which is is pretty phenomenal there. So I wear slippers most days in the office, so I can appreciate that. But Britt, I mean, you got brought into this position literally thinking you're going to start planning in-person events in January of 2020. And less than two and a half months later, your world got completely changed. But one thing that I'm interested to ask you about is your relationship with the was it half um oh my gosh i'm going to play blind half time there we go with halftime you know obviously you wanted to plan these virtual events did you already have a relationship with halftime prior to this or what was the process like to discover halftime and find a way to ship beers to the customers yeah so i you know for the sake of full transparency um halftime was not the first company that we reached out to um we had been doing some research for online beer merchants to who would be able to to handle that shipping portion of things um and halftime uh didn't come up in the first round but after our, our, our initial negotiations didn't go where we wanted them to um somebody else in the company i think it was our ceo trace uh said hey i, I know these guys they've, they've been doing this for forever i think the halftime was one of the first online um beer retailers and he was like, you know, let me let me make the connection, talk with them, and and see what we can make happen. And so they have been truly a tremendous partner. They have gone above and beyond. We told them um, actually just last weekend, you know, two or three days ago, we did Beer Advocates IPA Fest in cyberspace, and we went to halftime and said, hey, we're doing IPAs. We want to make sure they're as fresh as possible. We want to make sure they stay cold for the entire amount of time that it's going to take to ship to all of these states. What do we need to do? And they they went above and beyond. They got a bunch of different options in terms of like cold packs and styrofoam coolers. They ran tests, you know, seeing what they could keep cold in their hot warehouse or in their their hot like retail storage space for two weeks. And they, um, yeah, we were incredibly fortunate to be connected with them because they they really have, um, you know, not to sound sappy about it, but like they have been a true partner in all of this uh, in a way that that we're really just grateful for. And we, you know we probably could not have been as successful with the execution of our events without halftime support. No, that's absolutely amazing. Having a partner that strong is extremely valuable. Absolutely. And Day, you're up. You had a very large event this past year. Can you tell us a little bit about what you had going on during the pandemic? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, much like Matt was saying, um, like we started our festival with a cause. Um, you know, I, I, as a comedian and a producer of events, um, you know, I've been in the event space for a while and people kept saying like, oh, you like beer? Why don't you do a beer festival? And I was like, for why? Like there was absolutely no reason anybody should do another beer festival when it was a thousand every weekend, like between, you know, like March and, and October. Right. I mean, it just it was a saturated place. But, um, you know, there's not a lot of black folks in the industry. Um, a lot of not a lot of not a lot of people that don't 
you know, that aren't aren't bearded and white, right? So, you know, we were like, well, how can we how can we kind of make inroads with that? And the festival became a place where we could do that, where we could provide a safe space for people to come in. And uh, are you can you hear me? I know they're they're crazy on the streets back here. Um, so you know, like providing a safe space for like folks to come in and ask questions, right? Because like black folks don't have a lot of places they can go with craft beer and not be the only black people in the room. So you know, creating that safe space the uh you know the um the representation um you know getting people in the in a space and seeing people like them um you know also you know again like matt was saying giving people stuff to do you know when they're there other than just a, a fucking parking lot and a reggae band in the background right like i i just went to a beer festival in ohio um this past weekend and it was like i, I happened upon it i was like walking down the street and it was like you know folks there or whatever and i mean you know, people were enjoying themselves. It was outside, you know, like I stayed masked up when I was, you know, closer to people or whatever. And, um, you know, but I mean, it was boring as shit. It was just a parking lot and some beer. And, and I mean, so if that's what you want to do, the market is open for it. People are, the bar has not been raised in any way, shape or form. If you want to just do the bare minimum, people will buy the tickets for it. But we didn't want that. We wanted, you know, something more. So, you know, like, you know, we brought in, we bring in live art and, and, and music. Uh, we want to celebrate the black culture and a black culture is food and the music and the art that's in it. Right. So, um, you know, we built the festival with that, not only with the purpose, but also with the, Hey, let's do something other than just fucking drink. Hmm. And Day, I think you might've thrown, there we go. You're back. So like the pandemic came around and we were like, all right, well, you know, we don't want to endanger anybody. So we were on our way to just kind of canceling everything. And um, we started to get like a bunch of people from the community reaching out saying like, yo, we still want something to happen. No matter what, something should happen because, you know, it wasn't just about like, again, it was it was more than just the beer. I mean, we get so for those that don't know, you know, it's a black beer festival, or whatever. We do all these collaborations with, um, you know, with breweries and black the black community um, to introduce them to the craft beer world. So there was still this need for, you know, folks that wanted to get into the craft beer industry to wanted to get these, you know, the, the knowledge from the folks that they're in. Um, so, you know, working with Work Hard, which is uh, the digital company that we work with for our podcast, you know, went to them and said, hey, is there a way that we could do this affordably? Um, and they came back to us and said, yeah. So uh, we switched over the fest um, to a virtual fest. We hooked up with Tabor, um, which was super dope. Um, they, they ship beer directly to the consumer. Um, and, you know, given the fact that all of the beers, uh, for the festival are collaboration beers, like they were guaranteed fresh, um, and they were able to get to the people. Now when we happened, what happened last year was we pivoted in May. Um, the festival was in August. So the festival, like the beer, some of the beer wasn't even like, didn't get to the people until like a week or two after the festival, which was kind of shitty. We had some beer released a week beforehand. Some was the day of, some was, you know, weeks afterward, whatever. But ultimately, um, we were still able to put on an event. Uh, we had, you know, we featured a cooking channel, um, a, uh, four music channels, a brewing channel. Um, we had multiple, you know, panel discussions and whatnot. Um, and you, you know, we were able to, you know, we were able to buy 15 barrels of beer off of 16 breweries, ship those across the 25 states, um, as well as, you know, do these, I, I think it was about 25 collaborations here locally, um, with black, you know, entrepreneurs and whatnot. 
and also produced beer sales. I know, uh, you know, there were multiple places that sold out within hours of, you know, the beer dropping or whatever. Um, and it kind of, you know, I feel like beer festivals used to be that, right? Like when they, when they, back in the day, it was like, oh, you know, it was a showcase of beer and folks would show up because they were hoping that people would come, drink their beer, get to know them, and then maybe use the dollars afterwards, you know, at their establishment where it, you know, it, it, at some point just became a drunk fest and nobody remembered anybody that was there or any of the things that, and, and it kind of and lost usefulness, right? I talk to brewers all the time and they're like, yo, your fest is probably one of the only ones that I want to do because it still has some purpose there. It's not, you know, like when you go to a booth, like there's two people that put their, their heart and soul into that, into that brew. You're not just going to get the highest ABV beer. You're going there and getting a story. Um, you know, so there was a lot of purpose there and we were able to still meet the purpose. It was, you know, so we broke even. I like, I like we broke even as fuck on this festival last year. Like, but the, the artists made money. The brewers made money. The speakers made money, right? I mean, like the people who are supposed to like come together, the community was, was stronger as a result. And we are even stronger, right? So this year, um, coming back into it, not only we're going to do the in-person event, um, but we're also going to do the virtual event on top of it because, you know, there are people that, you know, this festival, again, is about lowering the barriers of access to this industry. And not everybody can make it to Pittsburgh. Um, not everybody can afford that $50, you know, not everybody has the opportunity to get there in person. So, you know, you can spend $10, still get to hear Garrett Oliver speak, still get to hear Jay Nicole Beckham speak, right? You, uh, you can spend, the, and Tavor makes the packs pretty reasonable at about $5 a beer. You can spend that money, get the beer shipped directly to your door and partake in the festival from wherever you're at, no matter what your, your, your access to vaccines are. Uh, your access to plane tickets are, your comfort level with the thing. And it just seems like, honestly, like moving forward, you know, looking at the cost of it, like why not offer a virtual component to your beer festival as well as an in-person? I mean, you know, especially with the direct-to-consumer. And I mean, if you've been looking at like the trends and whatnot, that's not going anywhere. The three-tier system, cool or whatever, you know, distributors, this and the other. But I mean, there's a lot of folks that are like, listen, man, can I just order it and it shows up to my door? They're not, that's not going to change. I mean, like, you know, so I think that, you know, moving forward, it just makes sense to offer that component. I mean, but you have, you have to have, you have to have something worth, you have to have something worth like offering digitally, right? If it's just a parking lot full of people and a reggae band in the background, nobody's buying tickets to that shit. Nobody wants to see it. Nobody, yeah, I mean, nobody feels a part of that from a distance, right? But if you have some beer shipped to their door and maybe, uh, you know, some discussions that actually matter, that might actually enrich their lives in some way, then, you know, I feel like they, they're, they're more apt to, whether it's in person or virtually, you know, attend your festival. No day. You're trying to tell me that we can't expect a reggae fest with Dave Racy coming up in, you know, August, <laughs> anything like that. There's, there's going to be some reggae in that, Maya. I mean, there's going to be maybe a little bit more, though. Maybe a little bit more than that. No day. I mean, I love what you said about just you, you have to have a purpose these days because unless you have a purpose, people can just go elsewhere. And in, in the current state of things, people are making decisions on a much more intentional basis, whether it's choosing to go to a specific virtual event or just choosing to visit a brewery. People are looking for somewhere they can get that whole experience, that safe experience, the great beer, of course, but that learning experience where you're getting the story behind 
why that brewery or event exists. Now, looking at the events you all have done over the pandemic, has there anything that has surprised you, good or bad, about what you put on or what you've experienced at someone else's events? I mean, building a little bit off of what um, Dave was saying, I've been really surprised by the amount of feedback we've gotten of people saying, I hope this sticks around even after the pandemic is over. Like we've, a lot of people are asking for, you know, sort of a hybrid element of our events going forward. Um, for a lot of what Dave talked about, you know, people can't always afford to get to a major city to go to a beer festival. Sometimes people have you know, access um, needs and they can't stand in line for as long as they, they might need to at a beer festival. And, you know, for IPA Fest, we had Double Dry Hop, Planet the Elder show up at people's doors. And, you know, that's that's not a beer that a lot of people can get um, without having to, to get on a plane and go somewhere. And also, you know, as a parent, it's really great to be able to go to a beer festival after my kid goes to sleep and not have to leave my house or arrange for childcare or figure out, you know, X, Y, and Z that, you know, you got to do when you leave the house. So it's, um, you know, I was really surprised. I was expecting to get a lot of feedback of like, this is great. Can't wait till we don't have to do this anymore. But we're seeing in, in all of our feedback, you know, keep this up, please do more of these. You know, I couldn't necessarily get to Extreme Beer Fest before, but here it was, it showed up at my house, you know, in, in the middle of, you know, we're North Dakota, I think we had somebody ordering. So it was, um, yeah, it, it's something that I, I don't think virtual fests are going to to go away once we hit herd immunity. I think that there's something that's that's here to stay. And I think that there's a lot of benefit to that, too. I agree with you. I, 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 agree with that. I think the accessibility component is huge. I mean, that's one of the things Craft Beer Professionals stands for. In a traditional world, only a few people with a brewery would go to the big conferences. But, you know, everybody should still be learning. And just like the fest that you all are putting on, anyone, no matter where they are, no matter what challenges they face, they can go to whatever you're putting on from the comforts of their living room. And, you know, like you mentioned, as a parent, it is nice to be able to after hours to enjoy a few beers. Although some of these advertisements for the virtual festival with a massive amount of beer are a little overwhelming to me, honestly, because I have a two-year-old and, you know, if I drink more than two beers, I'm lucky. So I can't even imagine taking on one of these entire boxes and, you know, I don't know, making it through the night, but one Matt, the, you're up. Yeah. I was going to say one of the cool things similar to what Britt was saying. Uh, so we, we tended to do most of our virtual events, but then when we were doing them, they were Saturdays kind of like two to four. So depending on the age of your kids, they were either napping uh, or maybe, you know, in front of the TV, uh, every Saturday that we did it through the winter time, it was raining. Like it was just like the perfect day to just sit on your couch and, uh, you know, not have to go anywhere, even if we weren't. But, um, you know, we saw because we were doing it, you know, during the day, we saw so many families, you know, with their pod, whatever you want to call it. You know, they were had one or two other people with them. You saw their kids in the background. Uh, you know, we encouraged them to, you know, pair food with it. So. It, it, I agree, though, it could be daunting. You know, we did one where it was all like Trappist beers that were, you know, an average of 10% ABV. There was eight of them in the box. And, uh, you know, if you didn't have a couple people to share them with, you were going to get pretty uh, lambasted that afternoon. Uh, but that was definitely one of the perks is like, you know, your kids can be in the room if, if they're not, if they're awake. Um, and, and the feedback we've gotten similarly is like, keep these going. Maybe don't do it, you know, in the spring and summer when it's beautiful and most people want to get outside. Uh, but in the middle of winter, I mean... Uh, day, I know you're in Pittsburgh. It's cold. <laughs> uh, Britt, I assume you're in the Northeast somewhere. Uh, you know, Brian, you're in Jersey. Kevin, you're in Connecticut. Like, wintertime's the right time. You know, not everybody wants to be outdoors. 
Um, so I, I do think that these are going to stick around and they do offer flexibility to, you know, one thing that I've seen over the past 11 years that I've been producing events, especially in our home market is people age out. You know, we, our audience is constantly evolving and some of the people that we're our regulars, you may want to call it, uh, you know, they start having one kid, two kids, three kids, however many, and they sort of age out of in-person events. So we saw a lot of those people emailing us like, Hey, I haven't been to one of your events in three years because I have seven kids, but it's so great to be able to do these at home. Uh, and, and that's sort of one of the other benefits that I don't think a lot of people are realizing is that, you know, your audience evolves, your audience changes, they may not be paying attention. And now you've got something new that might be more fitting to their life. And that's another you know thing that I took away from that. Yeah, I, I just want to say, like, I mean, you know, uh, it, it was it, this this year because of the virtual aspect of our of our event. It was the first event that I've thrown that I got to actually partake in. Like, I actually was able to like sit with the beers and just like enjoy a festival afterwards. Like, right? Like, and it was I was kind of dope. I was like, you know what? I would pay, I would pay for this. Like, <laughs> I'm target demographic for these virtual festivals because as a you know, as a producer I'm, and a comedian, as an entertainer, I'm always working when everybody else is doing the fun shit, right? So, like, it was nice to be able to, like, you know, sit on my couch, like, Tuesday night and, like, you know, get, you know, service industry night and just, like, kind of sit in and, and, and throw a couple beers down and listen, you know, listen to some dope bands or hear somebody have a, you know, discussion about some things that, you know, again, I'm usually missing some of these these discussions at my own at my own events and like these are some nuggets that they're dropping i was like oh man like why wasn't i in the room for that like you know so i you know i think that you know again like like, like matt was saying is you got to look at your audience and the way that you know like not everybody can can meet that and some of the most unlikeliest people like i said myself i was an unlikely candidate for that <laughs> for my own festival so did you enjoy your festival <laughs> I, I did afterwards. Once that shit was done, I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an interesting observation, Dave. Because as someone who's ran a few virtual conferences, I've found that it's almost the exact opposite for me. You know, as almost a solo entrepreneur running a festival a conference by myself, I'm too busy being the organizer and just making sure the logistics are going smooth that I only get to catch about ten minutes of each speaker, and I want to just find the time to go back and spend three days to watch it all. Britt, I know you were in the event space prior as well. What are your observations on, you know, as the organizer, what are some of the challenges you faced or learned or experienced running in a virtual event versus doing something in person? Um, I mean, for uh, one of the biggest things I realized is that there's very little difference. The emails I'm sending out, you know, have, have fewer physical addresses and just have a lot of web addresses. Um, and it requires almost more scheduling because you know prior to that when i was uh, organizing an event it would be like okay this is when you can load in from this time to this time like these are the session times this is when i expect you to be at your booths this is how loadout's going to go but now it's sort of like okay i'm scheduling streamyard rehearsals with everybody so that i make sure that folks are logging on in advance they know how the program works they know how to troubleshoot their audio and their video i'm sending calendar invites because you know as opposed to just a full session of things it's like no 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 we've got you know, 20 to 30 minutes allocated for each tasting. And I need you to be on at this specific time, which is five minutes before you're actually going to start speaking so that if we're, you know, adjusting here or there, it's, um, you know, it, it, but when we were doing in-person fest, it was a lot of, you know, get everybody processed, get the doors open, get the brewers at the booths. And then the session is just going to kind of happen as the session happens. And then we reset and, you know, it's, I'm a lot 
you know, I'm sitting down, but it's a lot more on your feet work during these virtual fests to make certain that every part is is working as it should, when it should, how it should. Um, and that's, yeah, fun and challenging and different and new. Absolutely. And we're going to kind of conclude the hour talking about a little hybrid experience, but we're not going to do that right now. What I want to hear about right now is what the five of you have planned for summer, fall, looking forward. Are you all starting to look at in-person events? And if so, what's that like? Uh, we're looking to host like smaller in-person events um, where, you know, people can, you know, be socially distant, be safe, had a lot of space to go with their significant other, their crew, and to enjoy craft beer and to like what everybody's really saying, you know, beer fest these days, they gotta, they gotta have a purpose and they gotta have a point. And, um, you know, I think like, you know, you are going to see the old format come back. I guess some, some organizations might try it of table beer, table beer, but it's gotta be more, you know, it's not about the people first, a community having conversations, connecting with your neighbors. I mean, I've been in there stuck in my house all the time. I want to like talk to strangers and have a nice conversation and enjoy beer and talk to the brewers and enjoy a good show like music, entertainment, food, games. You know, it's got to be more than that. And that's what we're looking to gear up to do, like small events where people can have a personal intimate experience, enjoy great beer, and just have a good time, you know. And I really think the pandemic has created a rare opportunities for event organizers really seize upon this opportunity to do something new, different, and, and create – you know, bring joy to our communities. You know, it, that's what really Beer Fest should be all about. You know, people always laugh at me over the years. You beerfest.com, you know, uh, these are drunk fests, right? You know, people just get trashed. And sure, we have our fests that do that, but we're really all about producing tasting experiences. You know, coming down, sipping a craft beer. We want people to remember the Beer Fest. Like they said, we like, you know, have a good time. Um, that's what our events are really going to be all about. And for people who think that way, I think you're going to find a very receptive audience out there of patrons who are going to want to attend these events. You know, it's going to be, so we'll see how it all turns out. I want to throw uh, one thing out there, speaking for all of us, anybody who watches this now later, don't ask for free shit this year, please. <laughs> <laughs> Saying it, I'm just getting it out there, please. <laughs> so Matt, while I got you unmuted, so what's your summer, fall, winter starting to look like? I mean, you've kept it really real about your business model over time. So obviously, if you're going to do an event with less capacity, do we foresee higher ticket prices for Beer Fest, or what are you looking at, you know, as your model to make these successful? Sure. So that's been a, a frequent conversation in my crew. Is you know. Obviously, a lot of people financially were impacted over the past year from the pandemic, whether it was their business, their personal finances. Uh, so we, we've had that conversation. Do ticket prices go up? If inventory goes down. Uh, part of me wants to actually lower our prices and, and make it more reasonable, um, even if we have to have smaller capacities. Uh, and, you know, we can get creative in doing that, whether that is working more hand in hand with the breweries themselves and uh finding a balance of some of those specialty beers versus say some of their, uh, you know, more cost-effective products. Um, you know, we're, we're based in Nashville. Our initial events this year that we're going to do in person will be in our home market just because we want to sort of ease back in. We're not going to go head first and, 
you know, throw everything at the wall. So um, our first major event is on, on June 4th. Uh, it, I was telling it before we all got started. It's on a giant piece of property. Uh, we're limiting it to 2,500 people. We've got 50 confirmed breweries participating. Um, you know, so we, we've got the space. The major thing that we're doing, uh, just from a sanitation standpoint, uh, is obviously we're not handing glasses back and forth between people, even though we know COVID doesn't really transmit that way. Um, we still think, you know, in people's minds, like, oh, don't touch me. Uh, so we're going to do uh, pitchers, pitcher service uh, with draft as well, unless, you know, breweries tend to uh, pour with package. Uh, the, the, you know, the beer nut in me is like, oh, it's going to degas the beer. Um, but hopefully we move through the volume fast enough that putting the beer in pitchers won't that be that much of a problem. Uh, but it will minimize, you know, whoever's working the table can put their arm out and pour it into your cup. Um, you know, we talked about doing disposable, but throwing away thousands of plastic cups at a festival just doesn't jive. Um, With regard to you know, pitchers, I, Matt, have you thought about having like all your guests in little pods and delivering the pitchers to the tables as opposed to the guests visiting the, the, the breweries at each little table? If we didn't have the space, that would be a consideration, but we've got enough room and enough variety in beers that I think we can do that. And, you know, in Nashville, our vaccination rate, the population in Davidson County, the city of Nashville is about 40% right now. Um, so the city has really loosened a lot of our restrictions. Um, that doesn't mean we're going to take advantage of it and just, you know, open the floodgates either. Um, but we've got the room for this event so that we can, you know, provide enough spacing. Um, it's all outdoors, obviously. So that also helps. So um, I, I feel like the audience that we sort of attract has some common decency <laughs> and will be respectful of each other, whether they're vaccinated or not. Um, you know, that, that comes back to, you know, these events having a purpose. We, we want our audience to appreciate what we're doing. We don't want them to just show up because it's there. And I think setting that sort of mentality and that bar for the events hopefully will bring a certain level of uh, common respect amongst the guests and the brewers and everybody there. So, um, you know, it's wishful thinking, but I'm going to, I'm going to stay positive and hope that people are respectful. Absolutely. Now, who else has an event planned in the coming months? Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, we're coming back uh, September 10th through the 12th. Um, <laughs> I just, it didn't even dawn on me about passing glass back and forth. Now I got to sit with that for the next, like, <laughs> I don't know, three months. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, <laughs> but so it's a, it's a, it's a three-day event. Um, two of the days are at a, at a hotel. Um, you know, there's, like, conferencing throughout the day, a bottle share Friday. Um, Saturday is, is outdoors. Um, we uh, And then Sunday is back at the hotel or whatever. It's a brunch event. Um, you know, we're limiting capacity indoors to 50%, um, trying to limit doors out, uh, limit, uh, capacity outdoors to 50%, um, as well. Um, it may have to go up to like 60% based on, you know, how we, how it all falls out, but basically just trying to give people as much space as possible. Um, our festival is always, um, our festival has always been about space, right? Like, I mean, we, like, I've always kept the number of, of, of people and tickets and, and space so that like, you know, it wasn't a shoulder to shoulder tight, you know, our, 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 our goal wasn't to pack as many people into a space and get them as drunk as possible. It was for them to enjoy their time and, and the space there. And, and we build our festivals, 
where, you know, no matter where you're at in the festival, you're going to get a little bit of everything, right? There's, there's the stage is going to be somewhere around it. There's a, there's some music there. There's some art going on there. There's some people to talk to here. There's some beer right there. And like, you don't have to go all the way across to get to that thing or that thing so that wherever you're at, you're probably cool for that until somebody calls you and says, I'm on the other side. Right. So, you know, we've always wanted space. Um, and we're going to carry that into it, um, you know, this year or whatever. And all of the caution, precautions, um, you know, like Matt was saying, like, there's a lot of folks, you know, in the city and the state and all that are like loosening restrictions. But, um, you know, they were they were doing that shit last year. I mean, we like <laughs> like you can't go by what the government is really saying. We're just kind of we're just kind of following the science um, and just trying to be as safe as possible, because ultimately, um, I can't afford uh, a super spreader event. I mean, um, you know, especially especially being black in America, man. Just imagine, imagine a black dude like you know, I mean, doing a super spreader event in in, in America. That it, it's curtains for us after that. It's, you know, <laughs> they, they go, <laughs> it's going, it's, they go, they go straight to founders uh, for the next event. So you know, like we gotta, um, you know, we gotta be super cautious with, with everything that we've done. We've always had to, and we'll have to continue to do so. You know, and. Um, this virtual event helps with that. You know, it, it, it kind of eliminates some of that fear of missing out. Folks don't feel a need to, to, to fly in. Um, and we're also, uh, we're also doing um, some releases in Canada uh, and in England um, as well, uh, trying to get the, the ball rolling, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, having some discussions, some music, um, some beer releases in those areas. Um, because there's black people there. Um, there's also boring ass festivals there that would uh, like a new model of doing things. So um, our goal is to become international um, and meet those people where they are. That's the goal of the festival is to lower barriers of access and meet the people where they are. It, it's not enough to just be like, we're here, come to us. You got to find the people and go to them. Um, and the virtual aspect of it uh, helps. And again, um, spacing and keeping everybody, you know, and, and mask where, where, where appropriate. And that messaging of saying, hey, we're responsible. Um, we expect you to be as well. Um, and we've we've had, a, a, you know, a lot like what Matt was saying, our, our crew that comes in, the, the people that come to this festival, they're not looking to just get like drunk. Right. So we've only had to kick out two people. And that was in the first year um, of a festival. Uh, everybody else has been extremely respectful. You know, the, they've been respectful to the space and whatnot. And I think it's all about the messaging going into it. If you build a drunk fest, you're going to get a drunk fest. If you build a safe space, then you're going to get people that are coming in and respect that space. Mm -hmm. And Day, I love your mission and your the educational component behind the fest that you put on. But you mentioned like international reach now. When you first launched your fest, you know, why weren't we thinking internationally from the get-go? Did the pandemic challenge you to broaden your horizons? And, you know, why can't we do England? Why can't we do Canada? Um, yeah, no, you you can. I'm sure I'm sure people people do. I think it's the thing is, is that like, you know, and, and to be honest, I mean, I think it's just because white people are everywhere, right? It's boring to y'all. Crab beer is boring to white folks, right? Like, I mean, like you go to crab beer groups and I'm in a lot of crab beer groups. There's a lot of angry white dudes that are just mad that they're like ABV is is off or that like, you know, it's slightly optimized. <laughs> Yeah, there's just it's just so much anger. But you go to the black beer groups and people are just like, can you believe I'm drinking a, a beer? Like, it's wild. Right. Like the excitement is still there for us. Right. Like, you know, the opportunity. Right. It's a two hundred and forty. Like the craft beer industry is like a hundred and twenty hundred and thirty dollar billion dollar industry for white people. 
is less than 1% for black folks. So we're still excited about it, right? We're excited about craft beer the way white people were back in the 80s, right? Like, oh shit, we could kind of steal some of this from Budweiser, right? Like we still have that. So our our mentality of, of producing events and pushing into this industry is of a very young and hungry, you know, demographic that's like, yo, we can still get this. So we're like, yo, how do we do it? And we and we're hungry in an age of we're hungry in an age of social media where we can connect. Like, you know I mean, like white folks came in in the 80s. If you wanted to do a beer, a, an international beer festival in the 80s, you had to buy a plane. Right. You know I mean, like you had to. Now we can do it with a with an Internet connection. So we're coming into this industry young, hungry, and we have the global connections to do so. And we could say, hey, what are you guys doing over here in Africa? Well, we're doing some, you know, we, we learn globally and apply locally. Um, and we're, we're you know, we're, 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 it's just the right opportunity to do so. So I think that's just really the difference. No, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I love it. I just want to add to that for a second. I mean, I have a Facebook group, 33,000 members, a craft beer community. And, yeah, there is a lot of anger. You know, the other day we had some dude at a brewery who was drinking out of plastic cups and he caught a lot of shit for it. It's like, <laughs> back the hell off. I think what Jay is saying is like, you know what? Like, like there's a lot of these beer nerds out there. They've been drinking beer for years. There is a neglective, neglected uh, consumer base out there that, you know, wants to get into craft beer, you know? And I think like, uh, you know, getting in, getting in, the, getting them on board, you know, drink Budweiser who want to try craft beer and you know it's kind of sad at one point like they like in my group they see these angry people it's like who wants to be part of that you know my mission's always been let's create a safe place let's make a welcoming community let's roll the red carpet and let's let's you know we're not here to teach people about craft beer here to we're, we're not here to preach about craft beer we're here to teach them about all the fun and great stuff about craft and it, the community should be all inclusive you know everybody's welcome to me, it's like leave everything at the door. Beer is what brings people together. You know, let's make it happen. I would agree. Absolutely. And what uh, what Day was saying, how he's going uh, international. Uh, when we went, when the Brewers Roundtable went virtual, I decided, well, let's see if I can get national breweries to also chime in on this, to be able to create a, a peer learning forum for them on a national basis, which I was not able to do with a local meeting. So basically, I set up a second meeting uh, for national breweries uh, so they can learn from each other and actually different states can learn from what other states are doing because some people are ahead or behind of where other states are so they can learn from each other or learn from where somebody's been or learn from what somebody's doing. Yeah, Brian, I completely agree with you. I mean, learning is something that shouldn't just be a few times a year when you see someone at a beer fest or conference, we have so much to learn from each other from our unique location. Someone's struggle in California can help someone in Pittsburgh and vice versa. We should always be having these conversations. Britt, I'd like to ask you, cause you said you did seven events over the past year or so. Looking forward, you've been kind of quiet right now. Are you planning anything that you're able to talk about ahead so we you know we are looking at you know not to to go all corporate speak but we're looking at q4 as when we're hoping to start seeing some of those in-person events so you know in the the fall early winter um but we do have you know we have more virtual events planned um right now hop culture is doing a queer beer fest that um is going to happen a month from tomorrow so 
excited about that one. Something that you know is a format that definitely uh, leans itself toward a, an in-person one. But we're like, let's let's get started. Let's get the ball rolling on that. Um, Beer Advocate is going to do its very first Lager Fest uh, as a, a virtual format, which uh, is a style that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, and so, really excited that that is is going to be able to to come to people where they are at. But yeah, in terms of the in-person stuff, we, you know, like everybody else has said, we don't want to we don't want to make the news for a super spreader event. So we're trying to be really smart at the venues that we're talking to. You know, we're we're like, you know, tell us about your local regs. Tell us about what you know, what is going to be required just in your venue in terms of distancing, in terms of masking, in terms of, you know, sanitation and, and you know, food and beverage prep, things like that. You know, I think, it, you know, it's funny that we've talked about the cup so much, but that's such an integral part of the beer festival experience and something that I think is going to have to be reworked. And, you know, I've got plans A, B, C, and D for, for what we're hoping to do with those cups. But, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on what the venue is going to require from us and so we're still learning you know being really prepared to to adapt to change to figure out you know do we need to add more tables you know so that people can be seated do we need to you know look at what our footprint is and adjust our capacity so that maybe there are fewer booths but people can be much further apart and so we're you know we're definitely in the planning process for a couple of in-person events and and you know slow ramp up we want to learn we want to you know, you know, we're going to, we're going to be out there. We're not going to be holding back, but we also want to make certain that we're, we're seeing what everybody else is doing, learning from folks and, um, and yeah, just being really smart about it, but yeah, no, still I, got I, those virtuals coming up and, and still have, you know, looking at how we're going to make those hybrid things, uh, happen going forward as well for folks who, who don't yet feel comfortable, uh, going to the in-persons or, or who aren't able to. And I think the cup example is more so a greater analogy to the current state of the world. I remember probably last October or November, I went to a brewery and I got served the beer and something about the beer just struck me as weird. And then it hit me. I was drinking out of a glass for the first time in a brewery in like seven or eight months. And it made me feel a little bit normal. So while it is <laughs> such a little aspect of the overall experience, I think it does represent really the, the challenges that we face plastic or glass. I mean, something so simple, but really it is a big deal. And Brent, looking at your virtual events that you've done, we could debate all day long about Zoom fatigue because I know I spend way too much time in front of a computer. But with regard to attendance, because you're still doing lots of virtual events, are you still seeing the same demand? Um, we are. I mean, the, the Extreme Beer Fest and the IPA Fest both sold out um, well in advance of when we had to stop ticket sales for shipping purposes. Um, our first hop culture event sold out as well. Um, the the festival we did uh, a couple weeks ago, we didn't quite hit that sellout point, but we came very close. Um, and we're trying to be really smart when we're setting our capacities, looking at you know looking at the time of the year, looking at you know what day of the week we're holding the festivals. Like we're not going to be if we're doing a single day Saturday session, we're not going to be setting that at, you know, 3000 boxes or anything like that, because we know that even if people can go back and watch it again, Saturday might be a, you know, a Saturday in the summer when it's really nice out, when everybody's been cooped up may not be something that we're able to compete with. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're not, we're seeing some zoom fatigue. There's a little less of the like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is awesome. I'm so glad this is happening. And now people are like, eh, cool, this is something that we can do. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the enthusiasm is still there. And I think that 
we also just want to, you know, cater to the people who are still trying to be cautious and who aren't ready to to go run out there and stand in line and and be some of the first folks at some of the first fests. And so we, you know, we're we're gonna keep doing the virtuals for a little while longer before we really switch gears into the the in-person hybrids. Great. And something like Matt and Dave both mentioned, sometimes at these virtual events, you're getting an audience that might not have been to a virtual or actual in-person fest within a few years or might not have been able to attend. So I think mm -hmm. these types of events are still very important. But looking ahead to the in-person event, you know, we've talked a lot about masks, social distancing and sanitizing. Besides just you know, looking at the top layer of things, what are some of the precautions the five of you are thinking about that will not only, you know, make sure you're hitting your guests' expectations, but more so blow their minds? How do you plan to do that, whether it's just sanitizing at an extreme level or just super unique features you plan to implement that'll be memorable? We're, we're actually offering a vaccination station at our first event back. You can come get a vaccine at the beer fest. <laughs> do I get a shot with go. that or do I get a beer with that, Matt? You, you have to sign a waiver with the with the health department uh, uh, that you're going to drink after you get your vaccine. There's no there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, if you don't have a reaction, you're fine uh, from the shot itself. But um, you get a special sticker. We're going to make some custom stickers. I had my beer in a shot. Um, so we're doing that with our first event back. And the, the city of Nashville, our Metro Health Department was all about it. They came to us. The and new Brian, shot of beer in 2021. Well, well New Jersey, Jersey just did. Brian, New why don't you Jersey. tell everybody what Jersey's doing? About what? What Jersey's doing. So Jersey just, Governor Murphy just got a, basically a pass with the ABC that says, in the month of May, a brewery can give out a free beer if you come in and prove that you get, got your vaccine in May, which means if you got it in April, you don't get your free beer. So they're, they're, they're doing it as a, a shot in a beer promotion, but they, they got to, because in reality, you can't give away free beer at a brewery. It's, that's not legal in Jersey. But they got a, a special dispensation from the ABC for the month of May, um, where if you got your shot in May, you can get a shot and a beer for free. That just came out yesterday or the day before. Yeah, I just saw it on my timeline yesterday. Like somebody tagged me immediately. It was like, why aren't we doing this in PA? Like, I just know the people in PA that just do that. Like, <laughs> we work in beer. People just assume, you know, all the beer folks. Like, I ain't a beer genie. Good motivation. <laughs> I mean, I, I think outside of the obvious things, Andrew, I mean, you know, we're going to encourage masks, but if we're outdoors, you know, I think most people, if they are vaccinated, probably feel safe being outdoors without masks. Uh, you know, we're going to ask the brewers behind the tables to wear them just because they're going to have a lot of engagement. I mean, there will be some distancing. We're debating whether or not we'll do like plexiglass dividers, or, you know, in front of their jockey boxes or on top of their jockey boxes. Uh, we may leave that sort of uh, up to each of them uh, for their own personal comfort. Um, you know, we've <laughs> that stuff's expensive. I'll tell you that uh, we've talked about just using uh, clear shower curtains. <laughs> Won't look quite as pretty, but. Uh, they're effective, but, you know, a lot of this is, is fluid. A lot of this is, you know, knowing the comfort level of all the people we work with. I'll say, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share that the majority of people that we work with in the beer industry, at least on the local level here in Nashville, they're all vaccinated. They all want to be vaccinated. 
They are, you know, back out there selling beer to restaurants and bars and retailers, and they want to be safe. So they, they've already sort of uh, made the jump back into the pool, you could say. And I think events are just going to become part of that again. And they're all ready. They were so excited to get our invitations. There were, were a few breweries um, that still have some travel, you know, bans or whatever you want to call it. Like they're not allowed to participate just, you know, from a, a corporate level, some of the larger craft breweries. Um, but overall, pretty much the local regionals, everybody's ready to go. They want to be back at it. And, you know, like I said earlier, just be responsible, be safe. Um, you know, the, the normal stuff I think that everybody's used to seeing is what we're going to continue seeing. Uh, I don't I don't know that there's anything, uh, you know, worldly that we need to do as event producers to create a safe space. I, I feel like we were always creating a safe space uh, because safety was always sort of top of mind regardless. I mean, you get two, three thousand people together and give them alcohol. you got to be cognizant of the dangers that are there, pandemic or not. Um, you know, so we probably will be a bit more engaged with our security staff. Uh, and, and some of the city components that we work with when we do events at, say, city parks. Um, but, you know, outside of masks and just maybe communicating more about what you should be doing while around people now, I think that's the, the biggest change. It's just we need to remind people, hey, there's still a pandemic. You might still get COVID. So remember, even though we're back at it, like just let's all be a little more aware. So better signage, maybe announcements from the stage. Uh, we're even looking at using, we use Eventbrite for all of our ticketing. We capture phone numbers. We're probably going to use a SMS to just send people reminders during the event to their phones. Um, you know, simple, tasteful, like just friendly reminders. And Matt, you jumped in exactly on what I wanted to talk about to conclude the hour about communication. Because guests, they want to know what they're walking into. During the pandemic, one of the biggest factors for you know, customers going to breweries is finding a brewery that's posting on social media that they're cleaning things, sanitizing things, enforcing social distancing, wearing their masks and things like that. Because when you see that picture on your computer screen or phone, you're going to feel safer before you even step foot in that brewery. And I feel that's something the five of you will definitely need to do as you prepare for larger in-person events, because you almost have just one shot. If you blow this in-person event back, that could be a very, very bad thing. I mean, it should be your goal not to just show the guests a good time, but a very safe, good time that they've been proud to attend. So, you know, talking about communication for their, everybody here today, you know, how do you plan besides like signage in person? How do you plan to let your guests know ahead of time that you're going to go to all measures possible to make it a safe experience for them? Yeah, I mean, you know, social media, uh, I mean, all of the, all of the, you know, leading up, um, I think, I think first and foremost, by canceling the events last year, we let everybody know, you know, Hey, we're not playing around with this. Um, and then, you know, like for us, uh, this is the first year that we're actually doing it in September as opposed to August, which makes it a fall festival, which is a whole another bag of shit that you got to deal with. Um, you know, so, I mean, the fact that, you know, we're, we are, we, you know, offering the virtual side of things, um, you know, and then just, just, continue, you know, even at the door, um, you know, when people, when people show up, um, you know, to the parking spot, uh, you know, uh, signage, um, the security guards are on the same thing. Your staff are on the same page, right? Um, your brewers and everything, you know, if everybody there is kind of with the same message and understanding, then there's not really a place that that person can go to and forget where they're at. They're not going to go to a brewer that's just going to like, you know what I mean, breaking the rules. You're not going to go to a security guard that's going to forget. There's going to be half, you know, nose or something like that, right? If your whole staff is, is on board, if your venue is on board, if all your messaging is on board, then, you know, there's really no place where somebody can get the idea that they can come in 
and you know cough on folks right you know what i mean like it's just so i, I think that's just that's it, that's what it is is your communication you know in in-house and then just you know expertly and then you know those frequently asked questions will get answered pretty quickly and i believe that you got to make it easy for the brewery owners too you um I, i've seen a lot of brewery owners that i'm talking to that some of the event festivals are saying well now you have to bring this and you have to bring that and you have to bring this and you have to bring that and it's like hold on you're asking me to go to a festival and you're asking me to supply all the stuff that either used to be supplied or was never required but so so it's costing me more for you to make money and in reality every i've seen tons of promoters say well yeah, but it's a good venue to promote your beer. It's like, yeah, they're all good venues to promote my beer. But if you're going to make it more expensive, to my beer. that's an interesting point, Brian. Does anybody else have any questions or not questions? I apologize. Comments to make about, you know, how you're planning, Kevin, you know, what are you looking at? Because you've done a lot of fest over the years. Are there any special precautions you plan on putting out there to just blow the minds of your guests? Yeah, you know what it is like. It's like working so many different. Working so many different. Oh, I hear an echo. Oh, I hear an echo. Uh, uh, anyways, I don't know. If anyways, you, I don't know. If why I don't know why I'm at. Do you hear an echo? No. Yes, we do. Well, all right. I don't hear me anymore. But um, so you know, we I'm here in Connecticut. We have some really interesting safety precautions. Um. Like so many other, like everybody else said, like I've had more conversations about getting the beer into folks' glasses that I care for. But you know, one of the rules that we have here is that in between uh, drinking and eating, people need to wear their masks at in-person events. It's crazy. You know, the hope is that you know on the front end, you know, we have a ticketing software, so it's about communicating to folks like what are the safety measures, precautions. I think that's what people really want to know in advance, so they can prepare. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I think it's important to convey to folks that, you know, they understand. I mean, they are coming at their own risk. I mean, you want to come. We're going to have these safety measures, but you need to understand. I mean, you know, it's up to you to decide if you want to come or not. In our state, we're going to abide by, you know, our local uh, COVID safety restrictions. So for anyone out there doing it in another state, they, they just seem to vary state to state. So, you know, I was before the show or joking, you know, we're doing something in Florida, you don't seem to have any rules, but you know, if you're elsewhere, just know your COVID event rules in advance and communicate that on your website, your ticketing page on social media, email, get that out there up front. But at the end of the day, really it's the consumers taking the risk. You know, they need to understand that, you know, that you really want to chance it, but having the confidence that you are taking these safety precautions and communicating that, I think it'll really go a long way with, with, uh, the local community. I think, I think we're also really lucky that in a realistically pretty short period of time that we've all you know made it through COVID, uh, thus far, we have so much more information than we did six months ago, nine months ago from a safety protocol, from a transmission protocol, or rather how things transmit. I mean, I, I think we can all be, I don't want to say overly confident, but we can all be fairly confident if our events are outside and reasonable things are considered that we can keep our attendees safe. Um, unfortunately, it takes that one idiot, which they're going to be at our festivals no matter what, pandemic aside, 
um, you know, the fact that that one person can uh, unfortunately create a problem, we have to be more aware of that now. But I think we're lucky that so much research and, and data was was gathered so quickly. Otherwise, I mean, I, I personally don't, I did not think we would be doing festivals in 2022. I, I thought 2020, 2021, we're all going to be honestly a full loss for anybody in our business. So the fact that we're about to edge into that, you know, I think speaks a lot to uh, people who are much smarter than me. <laughs> yeah, I think we are all cautiously optimistic, but looking forward to all of this. I know several of you have mentioned thousands of guests at future festivals in later parts of the year. And just thinking about being around 2,500 people gives me a little bit of anxiety. But as the world improves, as we continue to trust science, I think things are getting better. And a lot of the keywords we mentioned today, I mean, obviously safety, communication, and more so simply having a purpose to make people want to come share these experiences again, I think will be very important. So I appreciate the five of you joining today, Brian, Britt, Day, Kevin, and Matt. I truly look forward to the time where we are sharing these in-person events again. And I wish you the best continuing with your virtual, but also good luck preparing for in-person. And I hope to see everybody soon. So thanks again for listening. Thanks again for being here. And I'll see you soon. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. 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 Cheers.